hear that? That's the sound of grapes. And tonight, for these WWE superstars here in Dallas, there is a Texas-sized helping up for grabs. If they can find it. You see, greatness can be hard to track down. It's pretty elusive. Even more exclusive. Just look at the ones who have been able to catch it. Still WrestleMania, you've done something special. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. The boyhood dream has come true. The greatest streak of all time. Oh my God, here we go. Nobody said it was easy. truth is there is no roadmap to greatness the great ones sometimes get lost and instead of finding their way out they gotta fight their way out take your fear take your caution and toss it out the window so bring on the fight the big time fight and they open a can fight the baddest woman on the planet fight brace yourself you're gonna be in for one hell of a night And that's just tonight. This is going to be good. I am fired up. So let's go catch some greatness. Welcome to the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history. It doesn't get any bigger than this. Welcome to WrestleMania. I'm looking at you, WrestleMania Saturday. And now, Snickers and WWE 2K22 present the most stupendous event in entertainment, WrestleMania. Just before we go to break, I have to defend vegan burgers, even though I'm not a vegan. Here you go, Matt. Something something for you. If you're out and about today and you're in a pub, a decent pub, not some shithole, and you want a want a, a meal that's gonna make you feel like disgusting, and you'll have a nice poo later in the day as well. <laughs> vegan burger all day long. I off I very that's probably why I eat the most, Ben, is out and like if you're in like a nice pub or like a pub lunch with work. I like a vegan because you just feel it's just clean. It's just pure cleanliness. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like it a lot. And welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler, and today we have a cowboy on the podcast as well as a retired podcaster as we cover WrestleMania 38 Night 1. I'll get to those cast of characters just now. We've got, first of all, Matt the Cowboy Roberts. Howdy, partners. Oh, my God. God. So so for our listeners' benefit, uh, the reason I'm doing this is because Matt is wearing what can only be described as a cowboy hat that's been made to mock Texans. That's all I can uh, describe it, quite frankly. And we also have on the podcast today, Stephen Coriander. How are you doing, Stephen? Great. Do you know what, Matt? It's so great to see you. Genuinely, I love each of the each of the co-hosts equally. Clearly, I'm I'm slightly more in lust with Alex and the rest of you. 
But we did, it feels like so we, it was almost you and me for a long time on our half of this, wasn't it? So it's mm-hmm. great to see your beautiful face again, and even better with a cowboy hat on. So I'm very excited about doing the show with you both this evening. That's very kind of you, Um I, To be honest, it's, it's been a while since I've done one. So, uh, yeah, it's good to be back. You know, it's good to, good to go once more. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's giddy up. I don't know if I can be able to take this. <laughs> like, seriously, I don't. Like, Giddy up. Well, really fucking awful. But the other the other benefit that we have from Matt being on the show is that he was indeed in attendance for this particular WrestleMania that we are covering starting this week and obviously finishing next week with night, uh, not next week, two weeks time with night two. Matt, are you looking forward to reliving your memories? I purposely avoided watching it i have not seen this wrestlemania since i was there so i was massively looking forward to watching this and um i feel like this is going to be a really good show this week what were your without telling us about the show what were your memories of the sort of the weekend and the the arriving in the stadium and all that kind of stuff of, of all the things that that really give me sort of goosebumps again and just just give me chills was when i was watching the show again and they kept showing clips of the stadium like f- for those who've never been to the at&t stadium it is huge it is an absolutely gigantic stadium and it doesn't even do it justice on tv to see that thing again was just amazing and like to see all like the the sights of dallas i don't even know what the hell is called like that giant tower with a ball on top i i I should maybe try and find out what the hell is called but just to see stuff like that was was just so cool and like texas is it was so much fun there it's a really good place i can't you know if, if ever like you get a chance to go i can't recommend it enough so you'll be pleased to know matt that the rumors are that that is going to be the host stadium for the world cup final in 2026 oh wow really? <laughs> apparently so i mean that's the that's the rumor i saw the other day on online i mean it may have been from a completely disreputable source i can't remember right now <laughs> but that's what i saw was that it's expected to be the venue for the world cup final in 2026 it's coming home (laughs) (laughs) all the way back to dallas texas yeah (laughs) it's reunion tower matthew and you can get in tickets start at 16 pounds and 18 pence presumably they won't accept uh, sterling at reunion tower no i was going to say 16 pounds 80 pence is not likely to be the entrance fee if you're paying on the door but you could try i suppose you never know Stephen, what were your expectations for this one i couldn't remember very much about this at all um other than the austin stuff and i actually had to look up so i did cover this on my podcast and i actually looked at my to my old notes and i'd forgotten this was the cody return spoiler alert for later on in uh, in this episode and when i saw that it was four hours i longed for the day in the near future hopefully where ben said you've got clash the champions four from 1990 and it's one hour 50 minutes which may or may not happen in the future see i wasn't desperately looking forward to this but i was looking forward to matthew's in-person perspective of, of this event so that was something that was uh yeah was was um keeping my morale a bit higher while i was considering watching another yeah, another long wrestlemania so Matt, looking at you with your cowboy hat on, if I'm honest, it looks more like a pilgrim hat than a cowboy hat. It is definitely a proper cowboy hat. I got it from Bill's the Cool Cowboy Shop. It's not actually called the Cool Cowboy Shop, but it, to me it is. This is an authentic Texan cowboy hat. See? Look at that. It's lush. It looks nice. I bet that was expensive. I don't want to be crude and be that guy to talk about money, but how much was that, Matt? Hang on. I still got the sticker on it. <laughs> <laughs> That was $60. Wow. <laughs> What's it made of? I have no idea. Um, material Plastic. Is, I have no <laughs> idea. It's not leather. It's not leather. Yeah, it's something like that, I think, yeah. Pleather, maybe, yeah. It, yeah. it looks good. That's all. When I put it on, it looks good. That's all I need to know. <laughs> 
you, you keep telling yourself that and, uh, i admire it i admire it yeah it does i admire it too it does take an extra special characteristic to look that stupid and be happy with it so uh <laughs> yeah well done <laughs> my expectations for this are strange so this is the last wrestlemania night of wrestlemania that i've ever watched so i hadn't i haven't watched night two of this wrestlemania and i haven't watched either of the nights of wrestlemania 39 didn't watch them at the time wasn't just didn't have the time last year and i think the year before i was just like now nah, i've had enough like i've seen austin's return that'll do me so this is the last night of wrestlemania that i've watched prior to doing this podcast and in two weeks time we're into sort of new territory and i couldn't remember anything but the austin thing and the cody Rhodes thing either that was really all i could remember about this show and i seem to remember the austin stuff being pretty decent so you know i was quite looking forward to seeing that again seeing how it actually you know looking back at it now whether it was any good and also i think in some respects cody rhodes is far more relevant and important than he than he was at the time when he came back so i remember being relatively unenthused not unenthused that's not the right word but just a little bit like what's the big deal <laughs> when cody returned and now of course it takes on a bit new meaning because well, he is a bit more of a big deal these days. Mm. So talking points. And I think I'll go to go first. If that's all right with you two, because I want to talk about Cody. I want to talk about Cody's return to WWE. And I've just realized I haven't got my notebook on me. This is madness. Now, the thing I wanted to talk about with Co- with regards to Cody is at the time when he came back to WWE or when he was in the process of, you know, the rumors were kind of swirling that he was going back. I remember all of us sort of talking about how he'd pulled off the best business of in wrestling for about 20 years. Like, I don't believe a talent has pulled off such a good bit of business in the wrestling world for a long long time as Cody Rhodes did because at the time when he was in AEW he was at his lowest ebb like pretty much entirely like the CM Punk had come in Brian Danielson had come in Adam Cole had come in they still had Kenny Omega John Moxley Chris Jericho all these talents and Cody of all the sort of headlining sort of stars at the time felt like the one who was the most expendable within that roster but at the same time, he had the most possible value to WWE because WWE really were a little bit on edge, I think, about AEW at the time because they'd managed to pull off those signings, because the ratings had actually improved at the time, because the product was still had a bit of momentum behind it. And so Cody Rhodes jumping at that time meant that they were eager to get him because it was a big coup. It was a chance for them to be like, yeah, we've got one over on AEW. WWE have got a history of doing this as well with like any sign of a hint of any promotion in North America kind of inching towards them in any way they kind of try and nip it in the bud as soon as they can like even as long as far back as like i think it was the xwf when they signed mr perfect kurt hennig back into the company just because he'd appeared on a couple of television tapings for a promotion that barely got off on, on, off the ground so they've, they've always quite kind of tried to do this and so he, he kind of got in there did his business got the sign in probably had a, a commitment from them to use him in some pretty big creative things at least immediately obviously with with seth rollins and the, the big return at wrestlemania but looking back on it now it feels like even better business than it did at the time like you, you consider the state of AEW right now you consider the it was just months later like two three months later that the cm punk stuff started with the elite like he pretty much moved at the exact best time because not only that like a literally a few months later triple h was in charge of creative as well so he, he he could not have timed this move any better if he'd have hung on for another six months and signed with wwe in the sort of summer autumn of 2022 wwe probably wouldn't have been as eager, as eager to get the deal done because AEW was less of a threat or perceived to be less of a threat by that point already and so i just i i, I just still in I'm, I'm kind of in awe really of the, of the work cody did on the wrestling industry and i think I mean, it's the thing i'm most enthusiastic 
enthusiastic about Cody Rhodes for, which which is really weird because it's so rare that a, a talent plays the business in such a way, especially these days where it's been a long, long time since WWE and WCW were kind of warring. And there was such a it was a, an employee market, even though they're not really employees, but it was an employee's market it was the the, the the companies were having to fight for those signatures. And Cody feels like the first person since those days where he really just got the killer deal and his stock could not have gone up more in one moment with one signing than he did at this time it just it's just phenomenal business and i uh, that's what i wanted to talk about i completely agree i mean I, I remember this is a bit of a random one i'm about to say something very middle class here which is uh you, you can you can uh, i don't consider myself middle class but i went i remember listening to this when i went for a ski lesson and i hadn't been skiing for like 25 years or something and i was going on a st- uh no that's, that's complete lie i was going on a ski lesson because i was going to, on another ski trip someone's 40th and i remember listening to this and day it was it was like when it broke do you remember that it broke the same week as Steve Austin coming back it was those two things you probably listened to exactly the same show I'm about to talk about Matt it was Meltzer and Alvarez and I was like this is blowing my mind and he, and Cody and I've said this on podcasts a few times Cody left whatever was going on there Cody left Tony Khan's AEW for Vince McMahon's WWE and that's a massive bit of this story and mm. actually in terms of what Cody was promised I mean I don't know whether we was promised the title but we did talk about on, on the following nights Raw or two nights later Raw about the WWF champ, WWE championship and etc and the lineage and you know all of that stuff from the Rhodes family so I think that he was you know he was plugged in for big things and, and, and it's really you can't underestimate what this guy meant to everything pre-AW starting I mean Cody was a, a really big part of being the elite you know massive part of the first all in he was you know I wouldn't say he was an absolute top tier star in New Japan but he'd done you know some, he'd done a, certainly what at least one main event in Japan he'd been a, a big part of the American stuff that New Japan had done and they they drawn some big houses over over in the states for New in, for New Japan for the first time ever. This guy was a, was a, was a star in AEW who kind of lost his way a little bit and was starting to be booed. And as you say, Ben, exactly right. He was at the lowest step and people would make fun of him, the Codyverse and all that sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, he comes out of WrestleMania and it blows a roof off. We we knew it was coming, but we didn't, there's, it, you know, they didn't say it, but we I think every all the smart fans kind of knew. I hate that term, but you know what I mean. But we didn't know things like he's going to have his music and that sort of stuff. That was unheard of. Matt, can you think of another wrestler who's, who's changed companies and had the same music? Ric Flair, that's it. That, was, that wasn't quite the same. It wasn't quite the same the first run, was it, I don't think? It was still, it was was still the so- it was still the tune it just wasn't maybe the same recording of the tune but it was right, okay. still it, it was, was still, still like the, yeah whatever okay, the song's fine. called fine but I, um yeah space odyssey or whatever it is but um yeah I, I just thought that was it was it was such a phenomenal moment in time and he i think everything that's happened to him has been kind of other than maybe the, the not winning the title but he's still in a very good place now has been kind of perfect the injury happened at the perfect time I know, i'm sure the rehab was very very hard but he's kind of had the perfect run and i think it's perhaps it's off topic but i think it's time but yeah, it was it was it was phenomenal. I, I thought in terms of his his response, his return, and what they've managed to do with this guy and the position he is. I wouldn't have believed for one second that after that last year's WrestleMania that he'd still be such a big babyface now, and he is. Before we carry, before I let you jump in there, Matt, um, just just to say that Ric Flair's music wasn't made for 2001: A Space Odyssey. It was just used in 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. okay. Also, Sprack Zarathustra is the uh, name there we of go. the the track from Richard Strauss and the the reason I know it's by Strauss is that I've been able to look it up guess where guess where I've been able to look it up on mm, <laughs> classicfm.com nice very nice That's the title of the article is classic music and wrestling 10 wrestlers who use classical entrance music and we'll uh, run them down in just a little bit after we've had Matt's um, say <laughs> on this 
this bit. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, to be honest, I completely agree with everything you guys said. Um, you know, when was there a last time where they rolled the red carpet out? Completely. I mean, you talk about giving him the superstar entrance and making, I don't, you know, when was the last time that they even followed up on that? You know, let's face it, you know, the mystery partner, you know, thing and the, you know, the mystery opponent thing is, oh, has long been crap. <laughs> you know, how many times has it been something that has ended up being freaking Nicholas or shit, like, you know, like that, you know, here comes the mystery partner or whatever, and it's crap. It, this was, they, like, you know, like you said, Steve, they gave him the, the music for a start. The fact that he was able to keep that, you know, this wasn't, Cody Rhodes, that sort of persona was not a WWE creation at all. This was something that he'd gone and completely done on his own back on the indies AEW and that version is what came back so that that's just insane but I mean the, the reaction to him in the building I mean it, it was superstar reaction like you know you can even see when you watch the show back now like the the expression on people's faces as soon as that you know his opening call for the song came people just absolutely lost it you know they're they're coming up through the stage they just they give him such a great entrance we'll talk about the match a bit but you know the, the match he had was phenomenal I think that's probably the one thing that I do think is important to state actually is as great as his reaction was I think a lot of and again I, I hate to say this as well Stephen but casual fans I think forgot how good of a worker Cody is and can be because I do think there was some periods of silence within his match and I I think a lot of people were sort of sussing him out to see what he can do I think by the end of it they would have been thoroughly impressed but it it was just such a superstar reaction it was incredible I wasn't massively impressed by the match I'm going to say it now I thought it was fun I thought it was good actually I thought it was very good I just wasn't I I wouldn't go anywhere near the word phenomenal put it that way like I thought it was a very good match and that's it and you know you were in the building so you'll, you'll know better than me Matt but even the reaction I would have only put a very good I wasn't like blown away by it and I remember thinking this at the time like I just wasn't it. Di- I, di- I didn't receive him as a megastar when he walked out in front of the crowd it just didn't come across to me and again maybe I'm just seeing it differently um, and, and incorrectly I don't know but I just didn't do it and I think maybe this is part of the reason why you know the following year I wasn't overly worried if he didn't win I just didn't feel like he was at that level and I didn't you know I didn't feel like given where he is now we were seeing even that level of person coming in and being a main event of Wrestlemania type contender at that time now I know WWE have done work since then so that's that's a different story but just at the mo- in that moment I just didn't receive him that way and then the match itself good as it was I didn't think it was it was it wouldn't have been it wouldn't even be in my top 20 matches ever at Wrestlemania like I just I just didn't think it was it was there so a good a good match but not not an absolutely great match and as as I said before, I haven't been very good at the old preparation thing here to the extent that I haven't even got the, the match card up on, on cage match right now. So uh, I'm just, just doing that right now as we speak so I can run through the result of this thing. And you notice that I've done very well in not allowing any gaps between my talking as I went through <laughs> and did all that. Um, so this one <laughs> is 21 minutes and a, 21 and a half minutes. Cody Rhodes gets the victory after he hits a crossroads. Then he does a sequence of dusty stuff with the bike and a elbow and hits a third crossroad. 
crossroads and gets the pin. Uh, Matt, so you thought it was phenomenal. I, I th- well, I think I think the, his reception w- was phenomenal. The, the match itself was definitely very good. I, I do think the, the sort of three crossroads was a little bit of an overkill. If you compare that to, I wouldn't say the, the, the finish, but the, there was a, uh, you know, superstars finish earlier on in the night. You want to talk about night and day protecting the finish, but that could have been done a little better. But I thought this was really good. The the sort of, I can't remember the move or something that he did, but it was something sort of Stardust related. I got to I got to be honest, I can't remember an awful lot of Stardust other than how he looked. I, I, I couldn't tell you a single signature move he ever did, but there was something sort of Stardust-esque that he did earlier on that the announcers sort of plugged as. He did a sort of um, cartwheel and then the thing where he points to his head or whatever it was. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. And they sort of said, you know, he's, he's shedding his past skin, which, you know, I, I did sort of chuckle. But, but at the same time, I felt that was important because I do think, again, a lot of people probably were thinking, well, this is Stardust without the makeup. Um, so I do feel that was important to do. But I felt that the two of them worked really well together. There was a lot of good stuff in this. There was one ridiculously hard bump, I thought, which made me cringe at, was the um, the, the sort of both guys trying to suplex each other and then Seth sort of suplexing him out of uh, the ring to the floor. That looked nasty. But yeah, they, they both worked great. I felt that, you know, the, the crowd were really, really into it. Certainly, they were into Cody's entrance again. I do feel that it did definitely take them a little bit of time to think, OK, let, let's sort of see what he's got. And it, and it was a little bit quiet for that, I think. But it, it certainly did pick up. And like I said, I, I felt match quality. It was, it was really good. I think that the crowd issue was probably a little bit that it wasn't a... It was like an exhibition. You talked about this, Ben, I think, haven't you, in terms of, ex, of exhibition-style matches, in terms of like stuff on AEW doesn't... Like, the result wasn't really... I guess the result in this match probably wasn't in much doubt for people because Cody's obviously de- debuting. Seth Rollins was kind of in that position where he's a heel but people like to sing along with his theme tune and, and kind of laugh at his zaniness so I don't think people were necessarily, once you had the the initial pop, people weren't necessarily emotionally invested in the outcome I, I ch- I've tried to stay clear of my old notes for the show and kind of watch with fresh eyeballs but I did look at them for this and I thought on the night that things were a little bit off and I wasn't sure why, whether that was kind of lack of ring sharpness for Cody, albeit it had only been a couple of months or maybe no or combination of the two um, I thought watching it again it wasn't quite as noticeable um, and it was a little bit better than it was at the time so on the old Mid-South Moments scale I'd put a solid middling recommend but never any better than that and never in the highest gear I thought just fine not a miss but about what it needs to be but ne- never any better than that and maybe that's down to Seth you know we're, we're I think you and I Stephen are quite on a on a even keel when it comes to opinions about Steph uh, Steph Seth Rollins in terms Best of best in the world isn't it according to my it's <laughs> like what the fuck are you even watching if you think that yeah, yeah according to some people no um, but yeah I, I think I'm on the same page as you with, with regards mm. to the match I will say this though Cody Rhodes is my MVP just because of the business he did that's all he needed to do that for me that made him a hero for me of, of, of this year was just wow the business amazing stuff I did promise it so we're going to do it the top 10 wrestlers have used classical music from classic fm so this is this is from the the experts this is not just this is not a wrestling fucking journalist this is <laughs> this is the big time um you guys are getting such a treat this week <laughs> number one then number one is damien sandow the hallelujah chorus uh which oh. is uh from handle then we've got uh, as i said also sprack zarathustra from rick flair which is from uh richard strauss which was yes you're right reused in 2001 a space odyssey which i'm sure is where rick flair decided to take it from i'm sure he didn't hear it on classic fm unfortunately uh pomp and circumstance obviously by matthew yeah. savage the uh, edward algar composition also pomp and circumstance gorgeous george 
apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So that's yeah. cool. Triple H, this is interesting. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Now let me see what this what they've said here. Uh Oh, so this would have been his original music. Okay. That's gotta be Hunter, way back when. Hunter yeah. Hearst Helmsley, nineteen ninety-five daft. You can see Classic of Emma a bit annoyed that he swapped Beethoven <laughs> for Motorhead. Yeah. Fair enough. Then you got Daniel Bryan, Rider of the Valkyries, Wagner. Jerry the King Lawler, the Great Gate at Kiev. I didn't know that was a an actual piece outside of just Jerry Lawler's music. Uh so that was um Mussorgsky's composition. Mr. Perfect Exodus theme, originally compo- composed by film score legend Ernest Gold. Performed by the Symphonia of London. It also won an Oscar, apparently. It's the perfect. And then we've got two that were in-house uh, compositions, but are based very heavily on others. So uh, first one is the Graveyard Symphony by the Undertaker, not by the Undertaker, for the Undertaker, which <laughs> is based on Chopin's Funeral March from the Piano Sonata Number no. Two in B flat minor. In case you wanted to look it up. And then, <laughs> and then finally, Mankind Ode to Freud, which was based heavily on Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings, which you might. No, remember from the film Platoon, in which it's used very heavily. That last bit I added myself, by the way. I knew. Wow. That, <laughs> that, that wasn't was... was on Classic FM. Oh, blown away. <laughs> I have to say the pronunciation of some of these fair play, uh, Ben, because I I would have struggled then. I think our dear friend Matthew might have struggled even more given some of the the things that have happened on the podcast previously. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Well, there we go. On a classic FM, love it. Well done, guys. Good stuff. Big up. Go and head over on there. Give them some support. They're 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 doing a great great uh, service for for wrestling fans. Right, um, Matt, you were there. Give us your talking point. Okay, there was two I was considering. I'm going to go for the less obvious one, just just to keep things a little bit different. And the one that I'm going to go for is the Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch match. The reason that I'm going to go with that, and I don't know if you want to go with the result first, Ben. Yeah, so this was a 19-minute match won by Bianca Belair when she avoided a manhandle slam by flipping up backwards off the second turnbuckle, then hitting a KOD to take the victory. The reason that I want to talk about this one is because I do you know that there's no other way that I can say it in that I think this is probably one of the the best women's storylines in many, many years. And I just think it is an absolutely fantastic piece of storytelling that just needs to have a shit ton of praise. I think a lot of people were down when Becky came back, you know, at the SummerSlam, you know, the year prior and, you know, sort of squashed her. But this is why, again, we need to sometimes have a little bit of patience and a little bit of faith, which, all right, OK, that one's a little bit more hard to have given, you know, a way a lot, you know, some of the stuff has played out in the past. But all right, OK, that, you know, she got squashed. But the story of just leading up to the show, I felt was great. I mean, the video package showcasing the entire thing I thought was amazing. I felt that these two who worked absolutely brilliantly together. And I must admit, I, I wasn't initially a fan of the whole big time Bex thing, but it did grow on me. I will say though, for the love of God, they need to get rid of, well, the granted they don't use it anymore because she doesn't have that persona, but the graphic of big time Bex, like they show before she, I hate that graphic so much. It's just the most ghastly thing. <laughs> And WWE, shit tons of money. You can pay for better CGI graphics than that. So I never want to see that shit again. But Bianca Belli is just the perfect babyface. I just feel she's so incredibly likable. Like I said, Becky Lynch played a blinder here. Like I said, the match was great. Probably the only sort of slip up was the the molly go round that Becky tried, which unfortunately booted Bianca right in the eye and ended up with a massive shiner after that, bless her. But it was it was just a blinder. And like I said, that the whole story leading up to it was great. But not only that, it for me it felt like and it was important because it felt like it had a big time feel as well. There's 
only so many matches over the you know the, the sort of two night show, and this has been one of them that I felt really felt important. Watching it back, it felt important. It did in the building at the time. The crowd reaction, I think, was ridiculously good for it. There was just so many good things about this. Absolutely loved it. Last time I was on the show, I was full of praise for a great Bianca and Sasha uh, main event. So which direction am I going to go in now? You'll find out if you carry on listening. It's fine. You'll find out. <laughs> I thought the Bianca marching band entrance was so great, especially the two dancing guys whose key moves seem to be double fisting themselves into their own genitals over and over again, which must have been <laughs> relatively painful. Tom said Bianca is one of his favourites and I can see why. She's such a likeable superstar. You know, she's just got it and the crowd were into this and her from the start. I didn't think this quite got to the lofty heights of Sasha and Bianca, but it really wasn't far away for me. Um, they worked their absolute asses off. And I remember there was a match at SummerSlam that year, Matt, was even better, I think, with these two. They had just tried everything and almost all of it was executed and came off well. I thought this was a really strong WrestleMania women's title match. This is my match of the night and Bianca Belair is my MVP as well. I thought this was really good. It was good, but I'm really not, again, I'm not that super high on it. Like, it was good. I, I, I'm not not at all negative I, I enjoyed it but just good for me just good not for me a patch on Bianca Bella and Sasha Banks personally just didn't just didn't do it quite the same for me I guess to be honest my only un, my only real memory of the story was what happened the previous year at SummerSlam and that being such a negative at the time that I can't remember like I didn't know the rest of the story and I'm sure I'm, you're right you know sometimes we do need to exercise patience but I don't think WWE have earned us giving them that patience or they at least mm. didn't at the time I think now there's a bit more goodwill and you accept you can imagine there's something that they've got in mind but at the time I think you know they didn't deserve it they hadn't earned it they're going to test people as often as they do then they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt and what's more is I think that even if it was really good I still don't know if you really want to treat Bianca Belair one of the undoubted stars coming out of WrestleMania 37 in a way, in that way however you then resolve it it's a bit different when for example they had John Cena get squashed by Brock Lesnar John Cena had been on top for like nearly a decade Bianca Belair had pretty much been crowned like three four months beforehand and then you kind of did that to her I just thought it was a really I, I, I don't know so it's a it's a risky game to play put it that way it's a really risky game to play regardless of how you end, end the story so I wasn't as up on the story either as you were Matt but yeah it was a good match it was a good match and once again Bianca Bella shows off every every skill that you could want as a top star that's the thing that I took away from this and you know in agreement with both of you first of all super likable super popular super athletic and also brilliant like she is she's showing like you know regardless of my opinion about this match you both thought it was a really great match she'd also had the match the previous year which was phenomenal like she's one of the top workers in the company at this point and that's so that's in the ring and then on top of that she's got all the other stuff so for me she she's an absolute star fantastic but just the match itself good but not absolutely phenomenal love the finish by the way i thought the finish was exceptional uh, especially and i'm sure she does this most of the time but she doesn't always do it i don't think the kod when she sat out on it as well and it just really like the the impact of it was just excellent after the flip over the top of her yeah i just thought that was really good so good stuff but also was soured by another note that i'll make at the end of this match was that bobby g was uh once again visible in the crowd this time he had a sign that was a strange material which took on the light of whatever lighting happened to oh. be in the building at the time so it was obviously some kind of plasticky cellophane type material over his sign and it just at one point it looked blue and then another time it looked pink and it was really odd bobby g mania 7 i believe we're up to now so <laughs> yeah unfortunate but it's just the way it goes um i'd also say this that after the match 
Jimmy Smith had this to say, one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history. Now, even if I thought the match was as good as you two thought it was, <laughs> I'm not sure that would have been true. No. <laughs> so I wasn't particularly impressed by that. And then we were, and then straight after that, we had a third advert already, and this was only about halfway through the show, for their WWE Evil show that they were putting on. On the network, I assume. And there was the third advert. I still haven't seen it, and it looks great. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the adverts in this show. Sorry, back to you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Just randomly as well. I, I kind of feel a bit sorry for Jimmy Smith. i got to be honest. He's, he's had a raw deal over his career, particularly the last couple of years. I feel really bad for him. The, the issue I have with him is that he sounds a bit like Joe Rogan and looks a bit like Walter White's brother-in-law from Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, got, and so I look, I don't like Joe Rogan at all. And yeah, and, and then he looks like the guy from Breaking Bad. So he's, he's, well, His previous history is MMA as well. Like they did, they, they had him for all of five minutes trying and be like a lead play-by-play announcer in UFC that they got rid of him super quick because they they started hiring fighters instead and he just yeah he just he, you know he got given this it, it didn't last very long and he's very talented he just he, it, it hasn't come across <laughs> he's very talented he's just seen no evidence of it <laughs> no <laughs> so Stephen what's your talking point this is challenging because this is such... I'm going through my notes. There's not very much on this show, is there, really? There really isn't. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in terms of your kind of viewing or going to see it. But what was your second one, Matthew, out of interest? My, my just, second one, like I said, it was, for me, it was probably the most obvious one. Steve was, Austin. Yeah, it was going to be the KO okay. show with Stone Cold, yeah. Let's let's go there then. Let's go there. Let's go back to front and let's break my... Uh, what I really like to do tradition-wise on, <laughs> on what is not my show. But yeah, I mean, Steve Austin... I longed for years for this moment. So I saw Austin in three matches and went to another 10 WrestleMania. Uh, three matches and went to another... How many WrestleManias have been to? Eight? Nine WrestleManias after that. I can't remember now. And there was rumours, particularly probably 20, 23, I think there were quite big rumours, and 25, I remember there being big rumours as well about him him doing something. And for, I wanted it, I wanted it, I wanted it. I mean, Steve Austin, uh, for lots of people, without Steve Austin, I'm not sure my interest in wrestling would ever have got past or back to more than like a passing interest. Like, I might watch WrestleMania every year or the Rumble or something, but I would never, I don't think I'd ever wa- have watched weekly television. But to be there watching Steve Austin's ascent in 1997 was like, it was out of this what Raw was unmissable on a Friday night you had to watch it and loads of people at school were talking about it and it was just like I, 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 yeah I certainly wouldn't be sat here doing this but I, by the time this came around I really didn't want it anymore and I just found myself I'm like I thought that this was the, the, the scenarios this played out was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I'm sure if you trawl through every every episode of Mid-South Moments from around this time, you'll find evidence of that if you really want to do that. But I thought this would exactly be, the, be this. Um, it might have even... Did Meltzer suggest this, Matt? Did yeah. I steal that? You you heard this as well somewhere, didn't you? Yeah. This is this is what I thought he was going to do. He, did, he didn't want to advertise a match because expectations were too high, but he wanted to deliver a match and it would be a surprise, blah, blah, blah. And when I first was, was watching this on the night, I just was like, I really, really don't want him to embarrass himself. And I was really worried that that was going to be it or worse it was going to get hurt but actually in you know in the moment I thought that when they were keeping it serious I actually quite liked it but when Austin did all the beer stuff and the gimmicky stuff I really think that took a quite a big element of this out of it and I don't know whether he threw that in because 
Well, I don't really know why he threw that in, because this is a really, if you think about this at his core, this is this beloved babyface hero who's not wrestled for, what, what would it have been at this point? So this is WrestleMania 38, 16 years, something like that. This beloved babyface hero that everyone knows left wrestling early because he was injured, putting his, you know, his health and everything up on the line against this person that's been feuding with him. So why why go there with gimmicks? I thought this should should just been should just been serious. That said, I I did I did feel like overall as a presentation, it it was a success even with the gimmicky stuff. He didn't get hurt. He looked fine even with Miles on the clock. The crowd lapped it up and they sold loads of tickets to a, to a, 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 you know another night of WrestleMania. The, in fact, this is the first WrestleMania Saturday with a full crowd, isn't it? So I can't really argue it, but I. Can't, I, don't, I wouldn't say I wish it didn't happen. I just kind of wish this had been, not obviously, Matt, it was good for you. I kind of wish this had been five or six years earlier and it had been built up as a proper match. You had all that anticipation going into it and he could have done you know, something maybe a little bit more serious. I mean, he said it was thir- He said it was 19 years. 19 um, years, okay. Which would make yeah. sense because WrestleMania 19 would have been the, the last time. I, th- yeah, I think course, this yeah. was about as absolutely good as it possibly could have been yeah. given that Austin hadn't been in the ring for 19 years, given that he was 19 years older in his 50s by this point given the fact that he'd when he had retired he'd retired through injuries to his neck his back his knees all kinds of fucking stuff basically it the fact that, that song, his, to... his neck his back his <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow yeah. We, we've got our we've got our song for the end of the show anyway guys. Um, <laughs> So for all that, the fact that he was able to, you know, still put on this show, still still do it as, as good as it was. I, I think I'm with you, though, Stephen. I was kind of just it was more at the time relief when they did it and they got through it and it was good. Yeah. I was like, right, great. You know, this isn't a Bret Hart failure of all proportion like it was a WrestleMania 26. He doesn't look a shell of him for his former self. He's obviously not as fast. He's obviously not as dynamic. That's understandable but he still put up a believable little tussle with somebody and they've delivered. It was 14 minutes of actual match time. He obviously had whatever it was, 10 minutes before that of the KO show, which was pretty, pretty decent. I thought in general, fine, you know, set up the match fine. And then, and obviously Austin won with the stunner, which is all that anybody could have wanted. There was two really big thinking points I'd coming out of this. The first one was Kevin Owens must've been absolutely ecstatic that he's mm. got to do this thing. And I was thinking about all the kind of former ring of honor guys, that had made it big in the WWE and there are loads of them now they're just everywhere basically and all of them I was thinking they must all feel like at some point people were saying you should not go to WWE you'll never make it and they've all they've all achieved probably far more than anyone would have imagined at a certain point but for Kevin Owens to be in the main event of a Wrestlemania show against Steve Austin you know it's it's, it's like then stands the hairs up on the back of your, of your neck because you're like you can't imagine being able to do that and yet he's done it that's no one can take that away from him no matter if even if you question whether Kevin Kevin Owens is ever really a firm main event guy in WWE. He has done that, and that is yeah. phenomenal. The second one I had was again Steve Austin, obviously in Dallas, huge reaction. But I wonder whether or not this was quite as big an impact as we imagine it. Not necessarily in Dallas, but just in general, people watching. Like myself and you, Stephen, we were watching when Steve uh, when Steve Austin was at its peak, like its absolute peak. 98, 99, I would suggest, is his absolute peak years. 2001, great year, but is a heel, so. 98, 99 is really his big peak years. 2000, he was mainly injured. Then, Matt, you started watching 2001. So you would have caught the tail end of Austin's career. And then that's it. Yeah. So he still meant something to you. But even then, probably less than he did to us in, in certain ways. Then the generation of fans who started watching in, say, 2005. What did he really mean to them? Like he was a general manager of Raw with Eric Bischoff. And that's probably about it. 2010? 
do they even do, i mean they probably know who steve austin is but do they care like does he just feel like this old guy from goodness knows how long ago fans who joined in 2015 like what relevance has austin got to those people and then 2020 which is where we're at you know five years after that like i wonder what proportion of the crowd were emotional about seeing him or were really excited to see him i'm sure there are people like oh this is that legendary steve austin that we've all heard about and i'm sure they knew they'd have heard of him from that perspective but it's not like the rock who is a genuine bona fide mainstream household name to the point where you know if i watch richard osman's house of games on bbc2 on six o'clock on each day the rock will very often and appear in questions you'll even have like you know his face come up and you have to name who he is you know in, in conjunction with in terms of the last round which is the answer smash you wouldn't get that for steve austin because steve austin is just not a household name in outside of the wrestling world so i was kind of just thinking obviously a massive deal for the general wrestling fan population past a certain age but i imagine there are a lot of people who are like i don't care i don't know who the guy is i've never i didn't used to watch him when i was younger all this kind of stuff and it just got me thinking like if i watched again i go back to this thing hold this whole thing about if i'd watched when i was first into wrestling in say 94 or 95 and i'd watch someone like i don't know fucking ray stevens for example or it's like <laughs> bruno sammartino or or superstar billy graham coming coming back for a match i've been like who's this fucking old guy so that's the equivalent as well it makes you feel really old yeah i don't know that, i just had that thought going through my mind it probably is it is different don't run it is different we've got longer memory now and the, you know there's more footage available of him but you know I, I i do think we overestimate a little bit the extent to which new wrestling fans and by new i mean anybody who's joined in the last 20 years basically would have cared about it i think the times are a little bit different in the in the sense that for so long wwe has pushed sort of via their network really i suppose yeah. it's a big, a big kind of change that actually the app that Monday Night Wars and the Attitude was the best time in this company. And we're going to remind you probably once or twice a year on a retro Raw or Raw 15th you know anniversary 20th anniversary whatever and bring him back so I, I do think that the kind of difference probably is that a lot of people that may have not lived it or maybe were too young have gone back and watched it but but i also think that if you, even if you were i'm trying to think when i first my first memories of wrestling i was probably at like eight and nine so if you were eight and nine in 98 you'd be what in your 30s for this wouldn't you i suppose so you kind of if you've stuck with it you would you would have that would be your sort of formative uh memories of wrestling be, so that would be match generation of people coming through that's how old you are man. yeah 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 absolutely so <laughs> but there's I gonna be a lot of people who are younger than that by quite a long distance yeah. watching that's the thing there'll be 15 year olds watching it like that's they, they the will. thing i'm like you know do they care <laughs> well they, they will but i i do wonder i think that raw's viewership does skew a bit older doesn't it, it does yeah I, yeah um but no i think it's a completely i think it's that they play on their history so much but i'm just trying to i'm trying to think uh, while i was talking i was trying to think of an ex- if i could think of an example of someone that i didn't necessarily see that was a star just before i started watching but i couldn't i haven't come up with them so <laughs> that's just a useless a useless sentence but Ric Flair, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's very difficult because there's no yeah. real equivalent because you're, no. you're right. They draw so much more on their history than they ever did. There's all It's all available. You can watch everything now. You can watch the entire Austin run if you want to from the yeah. debut he had in WCW right the way through to like his retirement. So it's, it's you can watch it all. But it's, it, it just made me think, like, are there genuinely lots of people? Like, you know, you got to think about us, right, as a group. We are unique in that we are a certain age. We still watch some. We still keep up to date with the product and other wrestling products in general and we also still watch stuff from the past 
Now, that is probably a very unique set of <laughs> conditions that are not many people, I might say not many people, probably thousands, but in terms of a percentage of wrestling fans, very small percentage of wrestling fans actually are in that space. And then you ex- extend that to the fact that we are, you know, if you imagine all the other people who are different ages who don't watch stuff from the past and all that other stuff. Like, I, again, I think we overestimate how many people watch stuff from the past. Mm. Like, I just don't think there's as many people who do that. So, yeah, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I just got thinking like and not that it's it wasn't an impact on my watching of this and i said i actually think this is my match of the night but i think mainly just through relief that they got through it and they did it and they i don't think they'd have been able i didn't imagine they'd manage this but they really did i remember actually talking might even been well before austin was even like lined up for this talking on this podcast and talking about how we didn't want to see austin come back so we were just really fearful that he just have an awful return and he didn't and that's great and so that's why it's my match tonight but it didn't affect my enjoyment but i just thought afterwards i was like who was really that excited to see steve austin as i said it, it, you could argue it's the same as the rock because they were big at the same time but actually the rock is still a big deal like yeah. just generally and probably a bigger deal now than he was ever as a wrestler there's so many different things that i can possibly say to, to all of that i mean what, what i'm going to start with is, is sort of my, my my initial school of thought and, and my initial reaction to, to when i found out that that was the direction they were going and i was like bro I'm finally getting to go to WrestleMania. This is going to be one of the main events. Eh. Interesting. Okay. Was my initial reaction, to be perfectly honest. Before um, you go any further, Matt, why was why was why was that? I'm interested. Why 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 was that your reaction? Stone Cold for me has never I've never been that big of a fan. Not not to say that I'm not a fan, but part of what has made part of what makes me think that is that when he retired, he was never gone for that long that he didn't make some form of return. So he retired. What was it? Um, to, you know, we say like 2003. Two that you know, not even a year had passed he comes back as sheriff or co-general manager or whatever um you know that gets done it's about a year or two later he comes back for some guest role episode and just constantly year after year after year it was impossible to miss him because he was constantly around so for me when they kept saying stone cold's coming back being like what's he gonna do different who's he gonna stun that we potentially haven't seen but that that was it you know you'll stun somebody he'll have a beer bath that'll be it happy days i'm like i've seen it and i've seen it a hundred times it's not something that i'm thinking wow that's going to be fantastic. That being said, obviously to certainly to the local crowd, I mean, it, and you bring up some good points, you know, particularly about like the, the sort of wider audience. I mean, th- this was a show for the Texas audience. You could not go anywhere in Texas without seeing a 316 t-shirt. Every person everywhere had a Stone Cold t-shirt. People in the crowd when you were queuing to go into the building, I'm here for Steve Austin. And this was people of all different ages as well. And what I think has probably happened is a lot of parents have told their kids they've passed it down. This is that awesome Steve Austin. You've got to see him. And then the kids are like, oh, my God, that's amazing. I want to see him, too. So I think that's what a lot of it was. The, well, I say the match, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the match itself and the the overall sort of, um, you know, segment. I, I must admit, I, I sometimes could be, you'll never guess this, I can be a bit of a miserable shit sometimes. And, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it takes it takes a little bit, um, it takes a really good show for me to sort of come out of my shell and just think, for fuck's sake, don't be like that, you know, smart-ass fan who sit there with a clipboard monitoring the damn thing. It's like, <laughs> You're watching a wrestling show. You know, no <laughs> Matt, Matt hasn't got a mobile phone yet. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Just you know, he's, he's, he's joining us via dial-up tonight, and yeah. uh, behind him, he's been watching WrestleMania 38 on a black and white television. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? It's like you know, I'm sort of sat there as if I'm taking notes. It's like, oh, fuck off, man! It's like you're there with a show in front of just sit there, enjoy it, and watch it, and, and get involved. I, I'm not like a big chanter or anything like that if ever I go to a show. But my God, with so called Steve Austin's music hit, me, the same as every other person in there, collectively lost our shit. It was, to this day, one of the loudest pops I've ever heard. Like, that alone was worth going all the way there for. That was absolutely insane. I'm so glad that I finally got to watch it back on TV, because I couldn't hear it fucking word he said on the mic people just around me were so loud with the watts and i was like other than him constantly saying son of a bitch that's pretty pretty much all i heard but then more or less that's all we needed in terms of like i said you know looking at it as a match yeah you know it's it was as safe and as you know sort of I, I hate saying the word basic, but, you know, gen- generic. No, I'll go with basic. That's better. It, it was just a, a sort of basic brawl. But you know what? It worked. It was what every single person in that crowd wanted to see. You know, I, I did cringe at some of the like the suplexes on the floor. I mean, I'm so grateful that he was able to do that without getting hurt. Thank God. But you know what? This was as good as you absolutely were going to get from Steve Austin at this point. But you know what? That's all the crowd wanted. And, and for all the talk of, of me saying, well, I don't particularly care about seeing him stun people for the hundredth time. I can damn sure tell you that everyone in that crowd would have seen him doing all night on repeat if that's what was on offer. They absolutely ate it up. You know, the, the sort of beer celebration went on for ages again. People loved it. Okay, you know, stunning Byron Saxon afterwards, that was funny. But it was it was great. Like I said, it was it was really good. I've always been a bit down on Kevin Owens. I'm not a big Kevin Owens fan by any stretch, but you know what? He played a blinder here. He, he was the perfect heel. He could have said anything and just had the crowd eating out the palm of his hand. And like I said, he was, for that crowd, that moment, genius. It's interesting that they, I'm going to say that they chose Kevin Owens, but I'm not even sure how that worked. I don't know if Austin chose Kevin Owens. I don't know if the, the WWE chose him. I don't know if Kevin Owens reached out to Austin and said, look, did you, would you be interested in doing this? I don't know if WWE did that. I'd, I'd, I'd love to know how they went about going, right, we're going to bring Austin back out of retirement. He's going to have a match. And this is his opponent like i'm certain austin would have had to at least somebody would have signed had to signed off on it so yeah i'm just fascinated to, to wonder did austin pick him did owens pick up you know did owens suggest it did wwe go we've got austin who do we want to put him against what was the decision making tree he was the perfect opponent I think, but without, because you sort of look, you know, sort of Steve Austin's style and, you know, that that's definitely sort of tailored, you know, for, for a brawl, which is pretty much all it was going to be. But, uh, I was just trying to think of somebody else as an example, like, you know, Seth Rollins as an example. No, he's he not going to be the right sort of spot for that. I mean, OK, I'm sure he can brawl, but you know what? No, that's not that's not his forte. So I, I do I do think Kevin was probably the, the best guy for the job. What chance is that on WrestleMania night one this year, we get... Cody Rhodes and a mystery partner against the Rock and Roman Reigns. Oh. And then and then on night two, Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes have their main event. Oh. Who is the mystery partner? Steve Austin. Austin, obviously. Come on. <laughs> I can do WWE crazy fantasy booking. Who is it again? Cody and Steve Austin versus the Rock and Roman? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, tickles my fancy a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> you know it, you know it works. Fuck's sake, he's got me. You know it would when they're all stood in the ring. Yeah, I know, I know. And I know. it's kind of an open secret, but no one's absolutely sure. And then Austin comes out and you're like, we've got Austin versus The Rock one last time. Yeah. Everyone's getting excited. Have you heard that anywhere? Is that, is that no, 
no, because like th- this is one of the reasons why I enjoyed this so much as well yeah. is having come out of retirement that one last time. <laughs> yeah, and this was literally his ride off into the sunset moment. Yeah, but that's exactly the same as I felt about Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement for the Saudi show. Like we saw his last match. I didn't want. Oh. I wanted to be able to say I'd seen his last match. You're in the same boat now with Austin, so it's just it's just one of them things. You're just gonna have to get over it if he ever comes back, Matt. So that's no. a, I would go on the rant of all fucking rants. Yeah. I know, I bet you would. I bet so you would. God. Uh, I've been there, got the t-shirt because I was at WrestleMania 19 and it got stolen away from me by WrestleMania 38. <laughs> so. I, I, the only reason I thought about that, <laughs> that's the ridiculous booking then, was that I was wondering whether or not anyone because there was I think Stephen you even suggested he might come back last year Austin might come yeah. back another match last year and I just thought I'm not sure I, given how good this was and given that it was pr- like fine it was good it was nothing wrong with it, it didn't embarrass anybody whether or not Austin's like I'm done now definitely especially as this was in Dallas I think there's that that you know he talks about the fact that his first match was in Dallas this was, this was his last match and it's just a symmetry to that I'm sure he's not even considering another match now I would suggest money talks though it does talk it does talk yeah, yeah it's very true He's not poor, is he? No, no, he's not, Matt. But I think it's all relative, isn't it? It's all mm. relative. You talk about these golfers and going to Saudi and stuff. Austin might be very well off now, but he's got a couple of kids in England or whatever, and they might have kids. And you're talking about generational wealth that can sort out, you know, their kids and kids. And like, there's never, there's never, how do I put this? But it's, it's like, it's like, you know, someone like Lionel Messi, right? Or Cristiano Ronaldo for that matter. Yeah. Two biggest football stars in the world, two best football stars in the world, two people who've accomplished effectively everything they could possibly accomplish in sport. And they choose to go and chase money. It, you know, one in Miami, the other one in Saudi, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Huge amounts of money, a point where they don't, they don't even need it. They don't need that money. And they could both have chosen wherever they wanted to go. They could, you know, Messi could have gone back to Argentina and played for the team that he supported as a young boy but instead went to Miami and, and decided to do that Ronaldo could have gone literally anywhere could have done anything and instead he goes to something that's not even really a serious competition so yeah. like money does talk you're absolutely right and, and also I think the thing with Austin is that I think you articulated this before Stephen is that you know on a previous episode like he hadn't wrestled for a long time the television work is starting to dry up a little bit the film work is he stopped he's not doing anymore because obviously it's just a temporary thing he probably doesn't need the money but it probably was a nice little insurance to get the yeah. money for this match and then if he thinks about that the same way and goes well I won't be able to do that in 10 years time so maybe I need to cash it in now whilst I still can do it like yeah I, c- I could well see how that would be appealing Punk's a great example of that Punk was probably earning a lot of money earning a lot of money in UFC a lot of money in WWE but there comes a point after 10 years where doing the odd you know, whatever the MMA promotion is, you commentate for Matt for, you know, I don't know, $2,000 in expenses. It's not going to cut it, is it really? And you, so I think that, you know, there is, as, as you said, Ben, there's, there's, there, everyone's got a prize, haven't they, basically? I'm on a totally side note as well. Who knew that Stone Cold had a brother? <laughs> I knew that Steve Austin had a brother because it's in one of his DVDs. Like he came out at the end, didn't it? Like they said on commentary, like he's in there with his brother. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah but he was quick to push him back out of the ring after like, his I, 10 I, seconds, yeah, he was. didn't he? I did find that funny. He's like, uh, you've had your moment. Now get the fuck out. This is mine. Yeah. <laughs> right, going right the way back to the start of the show. Bradley Gilbert is introduced to perform America the Beautiful. This was not great. And I just was like, uh, just le- just let the guitarist do the whole thing. That would be different. Like, don't someone do the Jimi Hendrix style, but with America the Beautiful. I'd be up for that. Different, you know, something new. But no, this guy has to sing his way through it and just, oh, no, I went into, went into this at all. Surely... 
this was a parody voice, wasn't it? He, <laughs> he can't actually sing like this. This was someone putting on a country music voice. And on that subject, are either of you two Swifties? No, I can't say I am. God, but I, I wouldn't count. Of course, Matt's as, not. Matt, Matt, no, Matt was disgusted. Matt, by there was that. no chance Matt was going to be a Swiftie. Taylor Swift is uh, her, her songwriting is unbelievable. I'm, re- I'm actually really looking. For, I'm going to see her with my wife next year at Wembley Stadium, and I cannot wait. My wife's a big fan, but my, my wife's a big fan. No, no, I, I don't care about admitting that. I've, I've seen some of the greats in concerts. I should take take that. Westlife, Britney Spears, Girls Aloud were great as well. Fantastic. Of, time. of the people you've just mentioned, Taylor Swift is definitely the best. Taylor Swift <laughs> is definitely the best of those. But if you if you if you Google like Taylor Swift original country song or something, she does that. She puts up. You probably heard that Ben. I think you, you, like some recognition mm. there. She puts a country music voice on because that was what was expected of her. So yeah, I um I thought this was dreadful, but I did like the singer's very illustrious hairline, which I do not have myself. <laughs> We don't know where Matt's hairline is because it's hidden by his humongous cowboy. I think it's pretty strong, isn't it, Matt? It's not too bad. Then we got uh, the intro video with Mark Wahlberg on screen and narrating. Um, Other than that, wasn't much different from anything else you've seen before but I was just happy that we're past the swashbuckling if I'm honest so um, and I quite like Mark Wahlberg so this was fine I really yeah, liked great. it I, I thought it was really good yeah I mean it was fine it was it was Mark Wahlberg was good in the role but it wasn't anything different than we've seen before but it was it was fine are you a fan of Entourage Ben? no, ah, no. Tom like was a, a Tom was a big fan and was I think he okay? was because the last time I asked him about it he seemed to be have cooled on it a lot like really really a lot like as if he'd gone back and watched it and gone actually this is not very good uh, well i think okay so if i think if you watch it now it would probably be it wouldn't it wouldn't be uh of modern how do i put this sense uh, you know i mean there we go exactly that but i did when i was on i was on gardening leave in 2015 and i rewatched the whole thing and i was i was watching about eight episodes a day so i was living entourage until the film came out the film was so dog shit and it was really disappointing so i think that maybe that's a contributing factor to why i didn't like it but obviously mark Wahlberg was executive producer or wasn't it based off his life in some way? You a fan of that show, Matt? Never seen it, but I knew he uh, was a producer on it. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg is possibly, is is the person who says possibly my favourite line in a film is from The Departed and they're, they're doing some kind of covert operation or something and they're, he's arguing with somebody and the, and the guy goes, who is this guy? And Mark Wahlberg goes, I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. <laughs> that line. <laughs> That's a great line. And then after this, we get... What is probably the most stupendously stupid um, tagline for any WrestleMania ever God. existed? Because the most stupendous event in entertainment, and they want to fucking say stupendous many, many times. I think what's happened here is that Vince McMahon has run out of words that he can use as the buzzword for WrestleMania, and somebody's listed off a bunch of superlatives and and come up with stupendous, gone right. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Yes, this was the most stupendous night ever. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders introduced for some reason, and they dance on stage for a bit. I know it on this, Matt, because I've got something on this. Not really, no. I'll go, no. <laughs> I couldn't go for it. I was like, cool, why not? Cheerleaders. I remember in a in a dim and distant past, they used to have cheerleaders at Fulham, believe it or not. Mohamed Al-Fayed, when he was owned, owner of Fulham, picked some cheerleaders. And for me... Their cheerleaders are the most overrated thing on planet Earth. Once you've seen one of these shitty acts, you've seen it a million times. Now, if you want to see some real, really good cheerleaders, watch the documentary Cheer on Netflix, when they're actually like bloody spinning, doing 14 backflips and stuff. These world famous cowboy cheerleaders, bang average dancers. Oh, we can do the splits and we can do the can can. <laughs> Bore off. You won't believe this, Stephen, but even Bristol Rovers had uh, cheerleaders at one point. Lovely. 
what um, are they called? They, they were called the Gas Girls. <laughs> and uh, and honestly, honestly, oh, they were girls. They were like from about eight, but possibly okay. some of them younger than that, right yep. the way up to like, I don't know, 16 or whatever, maybe a bit less. And they couldn't really dance either. So no. it's all a bit. It was, I guess, about as English version of cheerleaders as you can imagine. You see what I mean? Just not professional in any way, but these are apparently professionals full time as well as are called the cravenettes <laughs> that's shocking um no i'm just gonna say like when i was watching this back i was like oh this is missing something there was something that happened must have been just for the crowd there before before the whole show started triple h came out um this was around the time where he had like that health scare and like announced his retirement so he literally came out laid his boots in the ring took a bow off he went wasn't that night too I thought that was before the show. I can't remember. Well, we'll find out in two weeks' time when I review there that show. <laughs> if whoever's on it, I can't even remember who's on it. I've seen that, Matt. I've I've watched that lot. I watched both nights live. So I, yeah, I think you know. Yeah, but there's your preview for next week. <laughs> And our commentary teams are for SmackDown, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. And for Raw, Jimmy Smith, Byron Saxton and Corey Graves. This is the 26th WrestleMania Michael Cole called at the time. That is unbelievable. That's That's good effort. And then one last thing before we take a break. So we've got the opening match. Rick Boogs comes out on stage. He's playing guitar and then introduces Shinsuke Nakamura. He plays Nakamura's theme on the way to the ring as McAfee jumps on top of the announce table. Now, I think at this point, watching this then watching this now sorry i've realized i've done a complete flip now on on pat mcafee because i had no interest in this match whatsoever but he brought such enthusiasm for it i was like thank god like you know he is bringing what i need some energy to this proceedings i couldn't give a fuck about the tag team match we're about to get which is against the usos a match that lasted just under seven minutes it ended when the usos hit their 1d on nakamura for the win but this was after rick boogs genuinely injured his quad or some part of his leg anyway when he was trying to do a deadlift something or other and he was actually out after this for nine months as a consequence of this injury so uh, not the best Stephen poor old Boogs this is obviously the biggest moment of his entire life and he ends up getting a, like a catastrophic injury and I had my own personal tragedy uh, during this match as I dropped my dinner on the floor which was two <laughs> vegan burgers yeah vegan burgers obviously a bit nice. about your influence yeah uh, trying to trying to cut down the meat a little bit so I bought them uh, no sides uh, this is the mar- start of the Marbella 2024 diet I suppose it was supposed to be before I dropped it on the floor smashing the plate and sending ketchup all over the skirting board and in the end I had a cheese and chicken sandwich followed by Nutella on a bagel so the diet started the next day <laughs> I felt so oh and some sweets as well I felt so sad about the loss of these vegan burgers that I just lost the plot after that with this injury what can you what can you say about this there was one really really good fall after that and I thought they made a best the best of a very bad situation but yeah poor old Mr Boogs Stephen can I ask what brand were your vegan burgers I can't remember is there any you particularly recommend or Re- I recommend very very, very heavily beyond burger beyond burger. okay they are phenomenal and they basically you don't you'll never need me after that as far as okay. they're that good and if beyond burger want to kind of hit us up for any advertising then uh, i'm more than happy to do it because i believe in the product too matt what did you think of this match this match all you need to know is rick Boogs. i love Boogs. <laughs> so so much it's just it's so cheesy but the entrance is like honestly and i'm not even joking when i listed 
the things that I was looking forward to seeing live before I went on this trip. Rick Boogs is just was one of them. I was so, so amped for this. I loved it. To, to the point of, I almost didn't pay attention to the match because I was just, the entrance is great. I'm happy. But yeah, it, it was it was quite quick, obviously because of his injury, which yeah, that does suck. I don't know, just like the two so sort of dived on top of him and he just collapsed, you know, like a house of cards. It was like, what the hell? The, the only other thing, sort of notable thing in the match was the, uh, the, the knee fall towards the end with Shinsuke would have kicked out of the things like super kicks and the splash which at that point I think everybody in the crowd said oh shit that's it but that was a cool little near fall um, but other than that it was it was okay like I said good you know decent little starter but again I, I was happy just to see Boogs luckily you did see him that night because you wouldn't have seen him again for nine months given the injury that he then suffered and <clears throat> he got this fired was, too so I'm, now I'll probably yeah. never see him this was fine this, this was fine I mean I did I did feel like when I saw Rick Boogs I was like god he really put Elias out of business didn't he <laughs> you know much much better guitarist than old Elias was it was I mean it was fine what you like the, the guy got injured and it had curtailed the match I assume made it shorter I don't know maybe they had planned for the Boogs and Nakamura to win for all I know but uh, they may, maybe nixed those plans when uh, he got injured I don't know they called an audible maybe I don't know we're going to take a break now and then we're going to come back and cover the rest of the show and uh, we hope that you'll stay with us ladies and gentlemen welcome to the WrestleMania main event edition of the Kevin Owens Show! Now, as you just saw, I said a lot of pretty rotten things about Texas and Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? One of those things was the fact that uh, if North America were a human body, Texas would be the ass. <laughs> oh, I said Texas would be the ass. Oh, come on. That's pretty good, okay? You, you, you have to admit it. But here's the thing. I, 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 I do realize that that might have been too far, okay? And I started thinking, you know, maybe I... Maybe I Maybe I should apologize. Maybe I should apologize. So I, I, after thinking about it, here we go. I would like to sincerely apologize to every single Texan out there. I am sorry. I am. I, I'm sorry for telling the absolute God's honest truth about your pathetic state. I've been here for a couple of days and it's actually worse than I remembered. Now, you know, I uh, I feel like you guys are eagerly anticipating me bringing out my guests. Uh, well, guess what? I'm going to bring them out when I want to because it's my show and I'm not done telling you how much I despise this guy. See, what we have here is the absolute worst role model in the history of WWE. I should know. I used to look up to him. But tonight, when he's sitting in that chair, I am going to look at him right in the eyes and tell him 
how much I think he sucks. And you know what he's going to do about it? He's not going to do a damn thing. He is going to sit there in that chair and he's going to take it. Because he knows that if he doesn't show me the respect I deserve, the respect I command, I will hit him with a stunner right in the middle of this ring and pour a beer right on his stupid bald head. And you know what? I'm not done. I actually have a whole lot more to... Hello and welcome back to the second most stupendous night in wrestling history, the <laughs> podcast that's covering the most stupendous night in wrestling history. And up next, we have a hype video, which uh, is all about Baron Corbin's bad year in 2021, where his wife left him. He lost money on Bitcoin. Uh, pretty much down and out, effectively, is how they portrayed him. Corbin then went to Vegas and had a run of wins that made him rich and he became Happy Corbin. Then he and Madcap Moss became a sort of partnership and they made jokes at Drew McIntyre expense and then beat him up at day one they stole mcintyre's sword mcintyre then came back at them interrupted a promo segment and cleared the ring leading to this match baron corbin versus drew mcintyre a nearly nine minute match which was won by mcintyre when he hit a future shock ddt then a claymore and got the pin matt I am absolutely convinced that these two guys could wrestle a hundred times after this and they would never get any better than this. I don't know what it was. And I'm not saying that this match was excellent by any stretch, but this is probably, I think this is the best match that these two ever could possibly have together. It was actually pretty good. There was nothing particularly flashy about it or anything like that. It was a very simple story. Probably one of the best things in there was Drew McIntyre kicking out of the um, the Baron Corbin's end of days, which apparently was the first time that had ever happened, which bloody hell, how long has he been on the main roster for? So that was quite I- impressive for that. Oh, I thing. reckon that was a lie. No, I, I genuinely think it was. You think? Oh, I, I genuinely think it was. Okay. By, by all if, if, people treat me, but... If, if it was, it's ridiculous, because why are they protecting his finisher? Like, granted, I protect... 10 different people's finish, but not his. Who gives a fuck about his finish? I, I know, which is, is bizarre, but no, generally, I think that pretty much was the first time it's ever happened, which is why a lot of people were like, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> Drew got his revenge, the Claymore kick was great. He seemed genuinely happy as well. I, I don't know if maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I don't know. This He seemed, like, genuinely pleased, and he just... He, he enjoyed himself there, which is great. The sword thing afterwards was a bit okay. He cut the get the ring ropes. I was whatever, but I think his <laughs> wife or his partner might have been in the front of the crowd as well. I think he said a bit with her afterwards. But like I said, I, I'm convinced that these two could wrestle a hundred times, and they'll never they'll never get him more right than they did on this night. So props to them both. And thank God they aren't going to wrestle one hundred times <laughs> against one another. Bloody hell, Baron Corbin must be right up there in terms of number of chances in a big wrestling promotion versus actual amount of talent uh, and there was a lovely classic Vince McMahon promotional tactic in the build up to this nothing gets a heel over more 
than making fun of a dead relative of the babyface or friend. Just like, come on. And Drew had won the title, obviously, t- uh, what, two WrestleManias earlier? Had a, had a match of the year. Had a, had a, sorry, not match of the year. What am I talking about? title match a year earlier now i wrote all those notes before the match started and somehow these two got me into this and there was a really good near for as you said matt from the, the end of days and drew works his bollocks off I, I wouldn't say anyone should stop what they were doing and go out of their way to watch this but you should stop what you're doing and go and watch will Ospreay versus uh what's the, the tna josh alexander, josh alexander <laughs> right this second because it was fucking unbelievable which is shocking given what i'm talking about but this was a really solid and inoffensive wrestlemania undercard match I was quite surprised about. I'll tell you, don't sleep on Josh Alexander. He's damn good. Like yeah. I've seen, I saw him about three years ago for the first time. I was like, this guy's really good. He's got some really value. good. And he, he can't, Osprey didn't do it by himself. It was two people in that. And he was really, really unbelievably good in that match. So yeah, very, very good. Yeah. I, I haven't seen that particular match, but um, yeah, quite high on Josh Alexander in general. I actually also am quite a big fan. Well, I think Drew McIntyre is a, a, a very talented guy as well. Like I don't think he's top tier by any stretch, but I think for a big guy, as big as he is, I think he's actually a really talented wrestler. And I, the, the the sort of time when that really kind of crystallised in my mind was when he fought in the main event of I think it was Fear and Loathing ICW Fear and Loathing Nine against Grado and got I would say a good three and a half star match out of Grado and it was actually really good. Now the fans were went mental for it. It was obviously around the time Grado was a massive star. It was in Scotland and it was you know huge. But Drew McIntyre worked the main event of that show with him and I don't actually like ICW style at all. In fact, I think it's pretty poor. But their match was really really good and that wouldn't have been possible without how talented drew mcintyre was and i I think you know in general you're not going to get five star matches out of him but you are going to get something worth watching most of the time yeah and that was what this was it was all right like i i didn't i i didn't notice that it was particularly good for for these two people i just noted that it was a match i think my issue was i was relatively underwhelmed by the first match in terms of what it was before like it obviously underwhelmed after the injury but just in general underwhelmed by by the fact that that was opening wrestlemania and then this to come next i was like wow this is there this is a slow burn start to wrestlemania they're not giving anything exciting away are they straight up straight off the top so yeah that that part of it was a bit like oh low-key start to wrestlemania let's put it that way i think my favorite sorry back on drew quickly drew's doing the best work of his career at the moment so he out promo punk a couple of weeks ago and cody and he's just he is just he's bret hart 1997 he's he's telling the truth and it's working he's great i think my favorite grado story is that Tony Khan tried to get like a prayer for Grado's entrance at Wembley and Madonna's people told him to fuck off, basically. <laughs> they wouldn't let him do it. Because you know that you know that Tony would have paid anything that was anything that was needed for that. But he weren't he did, yeah, no, just said no, no, you can't have it. So there we go. My favourite Grado story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not being nasty, but really that is Grado's act as well. That entry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. You know what I, mean? I, I did see the uh, well, I, I've never actually seen the full match though, but I've seen like the I've seen the finish and like the end sort of celebration for that Drew Grader and I've watched that a lot because like that was huge I mean fair play to them both Mm, it was a big match it was a really big match so after this match it's the hype video for Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio's tag team match against The Miz and Logan Paul and it starts off with Ray talking about his joy at teaming with his son 
and then winning the tag team titles when they had previously held them. Then Miz questioning whether Dominic deserved the contract with WWE or it was just given to him because of who his dad was. Then Miz, Miz introduced his new partner, Logan Paul. It then we then saw Miz attacking the Mysterios and stealing Rey Mysterio's mask. Miz saying that he deserves the same adulation as Rey Mysterio for being the only two-time Grand Slam champion in the history of WWE. And that precedes the match, which is Logan Paul and the Miz against the Mysterios. 11 minutes, 16 seconds. The win goes to Miz and Logan Paul after the Mysterios hit a double 619 and a frog splash, but Miz gets the blind tag and then hits Ray with a skull-crushing finale to secure the victory. Stephen, what did you think? The future Dirty Dom was a few days away from turning 25 here, albeit he looks about 12. <laughs> Here's a reference. I think only, only one of you is going to get. So it's almost like the reverse Luke Littler. Who gets that out of you two? I get it. I, get I thought it. Ben did. Matt? The name rings a bell. It's been quite big, quite, quite reported on the last week or two. Darts. 16-year-old darts oh, player. Oh, God, that's way. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. That's the visceral oh. reactions I'm going to miss on this podcast. Oh. Why are you so offended by that? Oh, God, alive, man. I couldn't. Darts is the most pointless lord of shit ever. I, got... I couldn't give two flying fucks about some annoying 16 year old who's basically playing a game that fat people in a pub play. Why? I, I'm getting fucking angry talking Matt, about it. Matt, why are you getting why? so upset about it? This is a sport that you and I have got a chance of playing. Yeah, yeah, doing well yeah. at. Come on, mate. <laughs> fucking hell. Sort your life out. Get your priorities oh, straight. Well, what oh. I will say, so back when me, Tom and old man used to live together, the darts at New Year's was a big deal. Like it was yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. But in the last couple of weeks, I've got done a massive darts like wormhole on youtube just watched loads of stuff i've watched Have like you? yeah i've watched like a two and a half hour documentary which was called the history of darts but it was actually just the history of the bdo lakeside championship from oh my god it's on youtube yeah oh my god i'm gonna find all the way to 2006 or 7 or something and it basically showed the key highlights of every final of the tournament right oh my god and it's the whole show is presented by bobby george and it's the voiceover is the old the the scottish guy used used to do darts in the old days on bbc and i loved it i was just like i was really into it because i couldn't i didn't know who'd won them all and it was quite kind of fun just to go through it was matt i guess an equivalent would be not knowing who won the main event or who was even in the main event of every WrestleMania for the last 40 years and then seeing the highlights of each one of those things and seeing who won. Can you um, remember what it was called, Ben? I, I think it was just called The History of Darts and it's like part one and part two and part one. Yeah, yeah. Found it, one found it. I'm so excited about that. It's great. It's really good. It's only the BDO stuff but to be honest they, I saw a thing I'm sorry we're going way into too much darts here but I saw a thing which was some statistics about what, what, which was better the BDO and PDC and when the PDC got better and it was only like 2006 that the statistics show that the the PDC yeah. was actually got better so this takes you right up to the end of the effect of the BDO being the main or the best championship if you like I went to Lakeside in uh, the, I think it was the last year 20, it started 2018 and I had a really confusing interaction with someone because and I must send you the photo so there were a group of girls dressed up as wrestlers <laughs> but and there was one that was dressed up as Rand, as match Randy Savage with a full beard and she was absolutely stunning yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I, I don't know how to get my head around this, but I really like it. So yeah, but it was such, it was such good, it was such good fun. I absolutely love the darts. Used to go to Alexander Palace a lot. It's a little, it's unfortunately atmosphere has turned a little bit in recent times, but yeah, I absolutely love it at Christmas. We live in non-binary times, Stephen. There's absolutely nothing. Yeah, wrong no, of course, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, no, no, nothing with any of that at all. Ball, darts, golf, 
horse racing, vegan burgers, all things <laughs> that can fuck right off. I don't like horse racing. Are you are you a no racing way. fan, Brent? No. No, and I don't like golf either. So I'm no. I'm happy with those two things. I know you're a big fan of golf, Stephen. But would you yeah. watch a Ryder Cup, Ben, or is that is that a step no. too far? I, no. I genuinely, I I'm I still, as I said to, you, I think I've said this before. I am genuinely, genuinely, and generally interested in who wins things and and what the results were. Yeah. But I could never watch golf. I could see a list of who won and be interested. But I had yeah. no interest in watching it whatsoever, like none. What about swinging a club at a driving range and stuff? Have you done, you done stuff like that? Uh, I don't think I've done a driving range. I've, I've, done like, done I've done like full golf. I just find it really boring to play. Okay, that's fine. So so I can't think it's, it, the, the addictiveness is the hitting the good shots. But perhaps, perhaps we should do this on, if you sign up to Random Wrestling Views podcast, uh, <laughs> Patreon, there's a two hour podcast coming about me talking about why you should play golf with me. <laughs> Because nobody else will. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what on Saturday? Right. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. So there's there's a thing that's like a little bit frowned upon at the golf club I'm at, which is booking up by yourself with other people you don't know. But I've got no one to play with on Saturday, so I've basically booked up with these two. I think they're two Japanese guys. So yeah, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to that. And I I, I've, I was messaging my friend saying, look at this, I've done it. And I and he said, oh, I bet they're what their little WhatsApp between their little golf WhatsApp is going. Who's this guy that's booked on to play with us? Blah. But yeah. I've done it. Just desperate to get out there and play again. I, I stand by. I, I, as far as my sports go, it's quite limited to pretend fighting and real fighting. Uh, fair I, enough. I, otherwise, that. Yeah, anyway, I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not a fan of golf at all. Um. But yeah, love me some darts. Love me yeah. some darts. Yeah, quality. I think the other thing that appeals is the fact that there was legitimately a promotional war, like like yeah, wrestling. Like, yeah, I was. just think that's amazing. Yeah, I muted that kid's name honestly on Twitter for a couple of days. I was, I was fed up with you about him. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the middle of Ray Mysterio versus Doc first. This this match wasn't I? Basically, I've never noticed on WWE television before that the bottom rope was out of out of sync in this. Did anyone notice this during this match? Yeah, when no, you say no. out, of, what do you mean by out of sync? So out of sync with the other ropes. So it was sticking out it, at an odd angle. So it wasn't parallel to them. Wasn't parallel, yeah. So the bo- the bottom rope on the left hand side, it was it was sticking out not yeah, not parallel is probably a better way to describe it. Well, with it's the, no surprise when you've got Drew McIntyre chopping the ropes. Up. Yeah, that's probably that's probably what it was, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's probably what it was. I thought that this you know, this was really good fun. I thought, you know, Logan Paul's debut, like he, you know, he's very lauded since this point. I thought he did an absolutely fantastic job. I actually thought Dominic looked pretty good in this as well, for what it's worth. I know that he, you know, he's not necessarily known for his in-ring ability. As I said, I thought it was a fun match, albeit the post-match was really strange. And they kind of baby-faced Miz in the moment when I think the intention was the opposite. Oh, I was it? Oh, I don't really care. But yeah, it was fun, but I didn't, I could have done without the aftermath. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the end was about at all. I don't, don't really get it. Did they even follow it up i don't know they had a match at SummerSlam these two didn't they okay yeah i don't remember at all let me have a look uh, i think they did i mean well put it this way while you're looking that up anyway i love this i it's just really good it's it's quite something now to see babyface dominic mysterio did, did they wrestle SummerSlam? they did okay there we go it was really quite something to see babyface um dominic mysterio compared to where he is now because obviously how ridiculously good he is of being a heel but i even thought babyface dom was was quite good he worked really well with Ray. I felt they looked like a proper tag team. They did proper tag team stuff, which is great. I felt the Miz and Paul were, were two really good, uh, were a good team as well. And fair play to him. <laughs> Logan Paul is a tremendous heel. He's just such a thoroughly unlikable person. And he just does it so well. The Eddie Guerrero three amigos and the, the you know, the sort of shimmy of the shoulders that he did. Bloody hell, did that get some heat in the building? 
Christ, that was really good. And just the, the smile on his face, he, he knew, he knew the second he'd done it, he's like, I've got them. And he did, and it, it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the same thing in, in terms of the finish afterwards. I mean, I'm not going to lie, everybody there pretty much hated Paul, so everybody was happy with it anyway. It did get ridiculous cheers. But yeah, it, it was a bit odd. I'm not sure what they were going for, but well, obviously, like you said, they wrestled the SummerSlam, but this was really good. Um, I thought this was actually a very good match. I like this. Yeah, it was fine. I, I, I think this just, for me, th- those first two matches set a tone for me, which I didn't ever really get out of, which was I'm just sort of casually sitting back and taking this in, but I'm not actively getting excited for very much. And I, I this was fine, but I, I just wasn't, I didn't go mad for it. It was, it was fine. It, it did what it needed to do. And I think it's another one of these shows. I found this about WrestleMania 37, night two, possibly one of the 37 nights there's still not a lot of talk to about talk about other than the, the really big th- other than the two really big things which are really big and there's lots to talk about everything else is kind of like yeah it's fine but yeah i'm not yeah. you know i'm not like i'm not like mad for it uh one thing that pat McAfee said during the commentary for this was that ray and dominic are the first father-son tag team champions in wwe history so i then got to thinking what other father-son tag teams have there even been that might have been able to accomplish the same thing now i found wwe.com have done an article on father-son tag teams and uh, a little mini game in the middle of the episode here can you think who they listed i'll, I'll tell you now they've listed only five team ups dom and Rey mysterio are not one of them just to add did jerry lawler and brian christopher <laughs> team up they're not on this now but uh, no. probably did at some point matt do you want to have a go in wwe or just wrestling in general just i would just say wrestling in general this is okay fern and greg garnier they're not on the list now one of the sorry that's right i can't i can hardly think of any let alone any that won the tag team titles no no they didn't win tag team titles oh, they just, just father son tag teams bob orton and randy orton there we go yes that's right bob and randy orton yeah paul bear and kane <laughs> nice like it no these are legit father son okay. teams. that's probably the only one i can really think of so <laughs> the other one that you said steven is right fritz and the von erics in general is on there right we've got a bit of a cheap one here but shane and mr mcmahon yeah and uh then two others kurt and larry hennig teamed up apparently in the awa and finally dusty and dustin in the wwe teamed up together against uh, ted dibiossi and virgin ah yes they, oh, okay. of course they did on oh, saturday night's main event i think wasn't it it was, it was dusty's last match in wf i believe i think it was on rumble rumble 19 oh no absolutely it was rumble what am i talking about yeah <laughs> Yeah, Saturday Night's Main Event. It didn't exist, yeah. I think the, the angle was a Saturday Night's Main Event. I think they bloody Dustin in the crowd, I think. So that's why I'm, I'm going wrong with that, I believe. Bloody Dustin. Yeah. You believe? I believe. <laughs> I don't know why I went there as well. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. I believe. <laughs> That's it now, Stephen. You're, you've, you've had oh, it. I know. I've got a catchphrase now. I believe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess we now know why the Miz turned on Logan Paul, right? Which is to set up the SummerSlam match and get Logan Paul again and have him have another match. So I guess I fair enough. They did anything though? Like they didn't even remotely talk about that till like maybe a couple of weeks before SummerSlam. I'm sure. Well, maybe they hoped that they could do it and didn't know at this point, and then when they could, they were able to draw upon it. Then Stephanie McMahon is introduced to the live crowd, and she comes out onto the stage and thanks to them all, and introduces a key member of the future of the WWE. And now I know, Matt, why when we asked you about who potentially could beat Roman Reigns in the future, you mentioned <laughs> this particular person, because I had no idea why you mentioned him at the time. But Stephanie introduces Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevens. And my main comment was, um, he's not not exactly been Kurt Angle so far, has he? <laughs> no. 
No. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, I, you know, that's absolutely why I picked him. Because, I mean, they, they certainly seem to, you know, have very high expectations for him. But, you know, I mean, he, well, he was drafted to Raw as well. And I think, like, he's wrestled very few matches. And, in fact, even as early as this afternoon, actually, I've seen some highlights of him from a match on Twitter. Um, I can't remember. Against Cameron Grimes, I think, at a house show. I've seen clips where people are just absolutely ripping the piss out of him. So he's not going very well. Yeah, he's... Um, he's still with WWE. He's only 23 years old, but he already has some sexual uh, assault allegations hanging over him as well. So, um, yeah, I can't see a particularly rich future for Gable, but we'll see. And he's got a weird surname as well, Steveson. Is he, is he your son, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but you never know. You never know. You never no. know. Apparently. How old is he? How old is he? 23. Oh, it's pop, uh, 23. What, my nine? No, I, I, no, it's not possible. It's actually not possible. <laughs> I see. Getting, it's a real insight there. It's a real insight. I mean, well, he's, give, he's given up his, um, his, well, I say he's given up. He's, I think he's like practically retired from uh, wrestling as well. So he's given this his, uh, apparently his full attention. So after that's the Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair match which we've already discussed and then the Seth Rollins and Cody stuff which we've already discussed so we're flying through now good stuff then we get the highlights of the 2022 Hall of Fame ceremony uh, the inductees this time are the Steiner Brothers Vader Queen Charmel Shad Gaspard who's the Warrior Award winner and The Undertaker we see some of Undertaker's speech the crowd are then introduced to them with Taker getting an entrance but they clear the stage of all the other inductees this time around which they don't usually do for the ones who get introduced afterwards Taker stands in front of the crowd for a while that's what I've got and actually I put it on mute after a while because I was trying to do something else at the same time as I don't need to see him stood there so I'll stop it did you go to this Matt no I went to to Ring of Honor Final Battle instead oh yeah very nice (laughs) who was the main event of that show oh it was Jonathan Gresham I can't can't remember who was against not that it was bad but the the main thing of the show was FTR versus the Briscoes oh yeah of course it was did Tony Khan take over Ring of Honor by that point yeah literally just taken over the show he'd just done it didn't he I, I think I would rather stick if you could think of the sharpest pins that you can possibly find like really sharpen those things up I'd rather stick one in both eyeballs and another one down my urethra than watch the Undertaker's Hall of Fame speech just I've got no no absolutely not no way no how speaking as somebody who's watched the Undertaker's Hall of Fame speech I would definitely rather watch that than do what you just suggested, Stephen, because what you just suggested sounds... Like it's made me cross my legs. That's how much I find that to, to be difficult to even hear, let alone you know, think about actually happening. It's actually fine. There's a lot of there's a lot of thanking people I rather really didn't thank, like Kane, for example. I know. Um, <laughs> and not enough mention of Brett and too much mention of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. But other than that, it's fine. Okay. It's, it's, was, it's good. It's it's good, too. <sighs> I love this one-man show. You would, Matt. You would. You don't like <laughs> darts. You don't like vegan cheese. burgers. Doesn't like cheese. Doesn't like cheese, but he does like The Undertaker's one-man shows. Bloody brilliant. Capped off a fantastic Clash at the Castle weekend, That He does like The Undertaker's one-man shows, and his most anticipated thing about going to WrestleMania was watching Rick Boobs come out on stage. It was one of them. <laughs> I don't blame you for that. Good old Boogs. Damn right, that's because he's your rock. <laughs> so <laughs> talking of... Talking of... I can't go that high. <laughs> talking of Rick Boogs, we get a recap of the opener and update on Rick Boogs' injury. Uh, Cole says that he and McAfee went backstage whilst they were not on commentary and spoke to the doctor and that Boogs has got a tear to his quadricep 
patella that will require surgery. Then one of the announcers, don't know which one, don't know the names of these two announcers, to be perfectly honest with you, um, announces the attendance of 77,899 for night one, of which Matt was one. Yeah, he was. Then we get the hype video for Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey talking about their careers and their ability and their potential feud there's a lot of talking heads we've got dana white steph trish triple h then there's a confrontation in the ring between the two charlotte tapping to ronda's ankle lock charlotte attacking rousey backstage and throwing her onto her car ronda winning the royal rumble as a surprise entrant and then flair powerbombing rousey through an announce table all in the build up to their match which is for the uh, smackdown women's title it's an 18 minutes and 20 second match and is won by uh, charlotte flair when rousey locks in and an arm bar but there's no referee because he had earlier been knocked down flair taps during that period um and then after that flair hits a boot and gets the pin when ronda rousey tries to revive the official strange ending to that one a big boot and that's the end but that's the way it went matt what did you make of this my memories of this in terms of live <laughs> are definitely colored by the fact that i am a ronda rousey fan and i was at the time and there was a guy sitting in the row in front of me and my friend Kieran, who was very much not a Ronda Rousey fan and was just obnoxiously loud and irritated the ever-loving shit out of me through the entirety of this match, to the point of I was begging for a Rousey win just to wipe the smug look off his face. And unfortunately, it didn't go down that way, so I will forever remember this smug little shit in front of me who just annoyed me for about the 20 minutes this was on but aside from that twat <laughs> we've got a, we've got a new mvp of the show for me <laughs> <laughs> oh he was such a dick god but yeah aside from that this was good i, th- I think the, the the phrase i like to use when it comes to ronda rousey is clunky she tries to do a lot of things that are very sort of out there but don't quite always come off perhaps the way she intends you know like some of the way you know she'll like climb up on charlotte's shoulders and do roll-ups and things like that they don't always work the way that she wants it does come across as a little bit clunky but that being said i feel like charlotte this was one of her poorer mania performances because she, she botched like one or two things which i felt was was on her so i was like okay don't see that from her very often but other than those two sort of things it was quite it's quite hard hitting you know a lot of, sort of submission exchanges and attempts in there i, I like the rousey added the ankle lock as well as the armbar as well i thought that was a really good idea the yeah the, the finish was a bit I do think, feel that the finish fell really flat. But then saying that, it's, it's kind of mad looking back at it now because even then, I think Rousey was still quite quite liked and quite likable, whereas obviously at the moment, I, I think her name is almost dirt and she's just not liked at all at the moment. But yeah, she she was quite the baby face at that point. So that finish, and for it to be just by a, a boot as well, that was a quite, oh, is that it? You know, I, I almost felt that, you know, oh, you know, was there an injury that they just had to get to the finish quickly or something? But nope, I mean, they set up for a rematch. I remember they, they did have a rematch, but yeah, this this was good, but I don't think it was as good as the other women's title match on the show, put it that way. What did you think, Stephen? I didn't think it was good at all, Matt, I'm afraid. But before I talk about the match, there was one hour and 40 minutes of wrestling on a three hour and 50 minute show. So there's, you know, not far off two and a half hours of packages and entries just too much. As per usual, every single time I watch anything on the WWE Network, there's, there were technical issues with, during this match. I had to switch the cast to my phone because if you, on the LG app, if you do anything other than play or pause, so if you try and fast forward or you, you happen to hit a different button to take it back to the start, it will not let you go back and watch it properly without loads of buffering. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and that didn't help my enjoyment of something. I rated this skip back in 2022. It was 
clear they were trying 100%, but they, this wasn't an attraction people wanted to see, and certainly not this late in the show. I can't imagine the thinking. It's really perplexing that anyone thought this had a had a chance of getting over better with the crowd after Cody and Seth and after Bianca and Becky. It just didn't have a chance. Uh, and the end with the various shenanigans was a complete overbooked mess. Uh, perhaps not a complete skip, but not far better for me. See, I put that plating in the card down to the same thing as I put the fact that they put Charlotte Flair in the main event of WrestleMania 35 with Rousey and Becky Lynch, is that they yeah. considered her to be just a star and that's it. Like, she's just a star, so she's she should be on, you know, late in the show. And I also think this suffers from the fact that they were both in that triple threat match against each other. And I think that's always been my biggest bugbear about the triple threat match is that, and any triple threat match, quite frankly, is if it's a first time match between any of the participants, is it means that when you get to that first time match or that big match between the two in a one-on-one situation, you already feel like you've seen it. It's already been done, but you've wasted it on a triple threat match instead of the one-on-one. And that's the way I felt about Becky Rousey and Charlotte Flair. And, and it kind of showed up here is that wasn't that big a deal. People weren't that interested in my view when, when they were in the crowd watching this. Didn't really feel like they got much crowd reaction. They seemed to be up for it like for a brief moment at the beginning and then they just went silent. Like almost immediately i know what you mean about ronda rousey and her style she just she but i think she not only got away with it at the start but it actually enhanced her act when she was first around because it made her feel more legitimate like you know i've spoken about before if you do a kind of slightly messy suplex but it still lands in some way that feels real more real than a than a really perfect suplex but like she does that they call it the piper's pit which i don't know why i know that she's like big on Roddy piper all the same it's just a samoan drop isn't it like with a slight spin on it but it makes the opponent land really awkwardly so i can only imagine it hurts an awful lot when they fall down and that's just generally what i felt about her here i just felt like she's better just sticking to the very basic stuff and letting her just legitimate credentials shine through rather than try and add because they even said on commentary trying to add elements of offense to her range and it just doesn't it just doesn't work i just didn't think it was that great it, it was okay again and I, that's what i kind of felt about the whole show other than the excitement for steve austin returning and the excitement for cody rhodes making his debut the matches in general were ranged from in my view average or slightly below average to good like really solid good stuff but nothing above that and this was just another example of like maybe average in general, but nothing to really shout home about. And I, you know, from a match perspective, didn't really get that feeling of anything being a really great, great match. Funny you should say about the amount of wrestling on the show, Stephen, because I felt that this show did not suffer from the gaps between the matches in the same ways as WrestleMania 37, the two nights of that did. They really felt like a chore. There's so many gaps between them. And I think that's because most of the gaps here were intricate entrances like cody rhodes lasts like four or five minutes mm. obviously so does um you've got the you've got rick boogs with his guitar in the first match you know you've got the stuff with the brass band steve austin and kevin owens do the ko show for 15 minutes you know if you count entrances and everything so i felt like even where the matches weren't so long there wasn't so many lulls because they did more kind of elaborate stuff in the build too and the the entrances for the matches in general so i didn't feel it suffered from the gaps that you talked about but interestingly i didn't thought i hadn't thought about how long the actual bell to bell action was but there's only seven matches as well which is which yeah. is interesting which i don't think they would i don't think they have done very many times at wrestlemania any night of wrestlemania the next thing is a really oddly placed and strange bobby lashley promo 
no idea why that's there. It just is. Don't get it at all. I thought there was going to be a match with Bobby Lashley in it, but no, just a promo for him. Then we get a rundown of the card for the second night of WrestleMania 38. Of course, we'll be covering this in two weeks' time. On the show will be Edge versus AJ Styles, Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory, women's tag team title Fatal 4-Way, Bobby Lashley versus Omos, Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn, the Raw Tag Triple Threat match, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. We get a little music video of them with Metallica over the top decent idea this i thought to just give us a little taster for the next day and a little promo video for what's coming the next day good stuff and talking of uh pushing us onwards into the wrestlemania series the next thing they did was announce that wrestlemania 39 will take place at sofi stadium in los angeles and we'll be covering that in four weeks and six weeks time as we do wrestlemania 39 and that gentlemen is the whole show that's the whole thing. Anything in that last little bit you want to talk about? I mean, there was mainly just hype videos and stuff, but I don't know if there's anything you wanted to comment no, on. I don't think I saw the Bobby Lashley promo, so apologies for doing a bad job being a thorough professional broadcast journalist. Yeah, Bobby Heenan would be very, very disappointed. You? <laughs> you, you didn't miss much. I completely forgot. And again, I was fucking there. I completely forgot that he wrestled the next day. I was like, oh shit, he did. Mm, I'm not surprised. Bobby Lashley versus Amos. That's not, that's not exactly filling me with uh, excitement <laughs> for two weeks' time, if I'll be honest. So, time for our overall thoughts. Uh, any MVP match today? Stuff we haven't already said. Matt, what's your square out of 10 and everything else? Well, I've kept these um, I've kept these open because uh, I wasn't 100% sure of how I was going to go. But uh, MVP of the night, I feel like it has to go to one person. And to be honest, I, I don't think this guy he's probably going to get it again from me anyway so I think that's got to go to Stone Cold Steve Austin he, he was the guy who, who drew the house basically so for me Stone Cold gets MVP of the night match of the night was a little bit more difficult for me to pick I think I'm going to go with the uh, the women's title match between uh, Becky and um, Bianca I just feel that that was really really good and then in terms of my overall score ooh, now then, I was really stuck on this and this is where half numbers really would have helped originally I was going to go quite high and then it dropped down a little bit and then it went back up and it's dropped down a little bit now trying to be impartial so I'm going to stick with a 7 7 out of 10 for me I think that's fair cool Stephen I think this would have been a really great night of Wrestlemania to go to so you have a very lucky uh, chap Matt going to this and I think it's the stronger of the two nights from the 38th edition albeit I have absolutely no intention of going back and watching that show and finding out but I obviously will be listening to you guys in two weeks time as I said Bianca and Becky was my match of the night I think you're right Ben it, though I, I have a bit of an issue with the amount of wrestling on the show this was quite an easy watch I thought actually in, in, in comparison with some of those four hour shows that we watched and this is, this is still been from on WWE but it, it did flow uh, and I'm, I'm going with you Matt I'm saying 7 out of 10 for this I thought this was a good show actually um, top to bottom so I thought this was a very solid night of Wrestlemania yeah and I think this is the interesting thing is I, I agree with you it wasn't a hard watch and I think that's just the way I felt about the whole show it was just so I kicked back I watched it and everything just flowed over my head a little bit I kind of mm. it didn't nothing really I think I'm mad for anything but it wasn't a chore in any way to sit through and watch it so as a consequence I'm giving this a 6 out of 10 I, I and I I think that's just a consequence of me not enjoying some of the matches as much as as both of you did, which, you know, it's not really that much of a big difference between us in terms of our evaluation of it. As I said earlier on, my match tonight is Austin versus um, Owens and my MVP is Cody Rhodes.
loads. Although it was very nearly the guy who was out in front of you, uh, Matt. Got to give him some credit. If you're out yeah. there and you know that it was Matt, then uh, please get in contact. We'll have you on the show. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that positive on your uh, contribution to WrestleMania 38 that uh, yeah, I'm willing to interview you and everything. That puts WrestleMania 38 night one in, in our overall ranking of WrestleMania shows in seventh place. Wow. There's only four shows that have got an average rating between us of over seven of WrestleManias. So that kind of shows you a little bit. that We, we tend to be quite conservative uh, raters of, of wrestling shows on this. Um, but it, it raises itself quite high because um, cage match, the cage match ra- rating, which I use as the tie break, is 8.03. So pretty highly rated WrestleMania in general. And yeah, that's WrestleMania 38 Night 1, a show that I thought was going to be better, I'll be honest. I think when I matched it to my expectations, I thought that was going to be a little bit better than it was in my view. But it was fine. Not a bad show, just not one that really sticks out for me as being exceptional. So that is all we're going to do today. We're going to call it there. Uh, Matt, thank you, first of all, for your contributions. Thank you very much. I've uh, had a stupendously good entertainment tonight. It's been great. Thank you very much. And Stephen, thank you very much for joining us. I was just take a little photo of Matthew from my, in that cowboy hat for my personal collection. Uh, thank you all, as ever. <laughs> Indeed. This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be back again in two weeks' time with WrestleMania 38 Night 2. Until then, we will leave you with my neck, my back. We'll see you. <laughs> take care. <laughs> You should my neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. My neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. My neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. My neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. My neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. First you gotta put your neck into it. Don't stop, just do it, do it. Tongue from the crack back to the front, then you suck it all till I shake and come, nigga. Make sure I keep busting nuts, nigga, all over your face and stuff. Slow head, show me so much love. The best head comes from a thug. The dick good, thick, big and long. Slow puff until the crack of dawn. On the edge, make your faces and stuff. Through the night, make it so much love. Dead sleep when the sun comes up. So lick it.